Indeed, how great is our God. We at First Church would like to welcome you 
whether you're here in person, listening on the radio, or watching through Facebook Live. We are blessed that you're a part of our service and hope that our music and singing is uplifting. Our time of Bible study is revealing and our prayers impactful. We also hope that God's love and presence is felt, fills you up so that you're able to pass God's love on to those you touch this week. There's a lot happening here at First Church. Please look over the bulletin for items that are of interest to you. A few items to note. Today is All Saints Sunday. We remember those who have gone before us. Many loved ones. The White Carnations are in honor of the saints we remember today. Family members, you are encouraged to come up and take a carnation that's on the altar here. Also part of All Saints service, we will partake in the Lord's Supper later in our worship time this morning. Trunk or Treat has been rescheduled to this afternoon from 1 until 2.30. Everyone is invited to fill their trunk with candy and park in our lot to greet the scary little monsters and creatures that might be roaming our streets this afternoon. And with that, would you uh, rise and join me in the call to worship? It's taken from Psalm 111. Praise the Lord. I will extol the Lord with all my heart. In the council of the upright and in the assembly, great are the works of the Lord. They are pondered by all who delight in them. Glorious and majestic are his deeds, and his righteousness endures forever. He has caused his wonders to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and compassionate. He provides food to those who fear him. He remembers his covenants forever. He has shown his people the power of his works giving them the lands of other nations. The works of his hands are faithful and just. All his precepts are trustworthy. They are established forever and ever, enacted in faithfulness and uprightness. He provided redemption for his people. He ordained his covenant forever. Holy and awesome is his name. Fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All who follow his precepts have good understanding. To him belong eternal praise. Now we'll have our praise song, Raise a Hallelujah. Louder and louder, you're gonna hear my praises 
the children would come forward for children's chat. some more come in here. I'll wait. How are you guys all today? What's this afternoon? Trick or treat. You guys excited? Yeah. What you going as? You're going as a kitty cat? What is Braille's going at? Huh? What you going as? A blow up? <laughs> oh, fire truck. Okay. <laughs> oh, what's other costumes? What are you guys going as? I'm going to be Anna. Anna? Princess Anna? You're going to be Miss Princess Elsa? You're going to be Minnie Mouse? Ooh, that sounds like fun. 
Yeah? Oh. You're going to be Queen Susan? Who's excited to get a bunch of candy? Oh, not all the hands go up. I was excited when I went trick-or-treating. How much candy are you guys going to get? You guys going to go to a lot of houses? Yeah. Yeah. yeah? What are you going to do? Are you going to eat all your candy all in one day? No. <gasps> wow, you guys did a lot better than what I was thinking you were going to say. Huh? Oh my gosh, you guys are, you should just do my children's chat for me. <laughs> if you eat all your candy in one t- sitting, Miss Lila says over here, you're going to get a tummy ache. Yeah. And the Bible, it says to be wise. That just means using your brain and being wise with your decisions. And it's not really wise because Miss Lila says you're going to get a tummy ache. And you would, you would get a tummy ache. And having a little bit of self control. Like Miss Lila over here, you won't get a tummy ache, and you'll have your candy actually a little bit longer. And God has, God tells us to have self-control and do things within moderation. What are we not supposed to have self-control over? What are we supposed to do all the time? Pray. Pray. What about singing? We had beautiful music this morning. Trust. How about read our Bibles? Yeah? How about some of our actions? We talk about in Bible study how God is our best friend and we are supposed to... What do we do with our hands? We serve Him. We serve others. Those are some things that we're not supposed to have self-control over. God wants us to do those all the time. But sometimes worldly things, like eating Halloween candy... You want to eat it all maybe at one sitting, but it's not really wise to. You don't want to have a tummy ache, okay? Let's go ahead and pray. Dear Heavenly Father, let us have fun and be safe today when trick-or-treating going from houses in our neighborhoods. Be with us this week and help us have self-control and to also not have self-control and worship you every single day with our loudest voices and praise. In your son's name we pray, amen. You guys can head back to your seats, and as they're finding their seats once again, I invite you to stand with us and sing number 52 in your blue hymnals, O God, Our Help and Hages Past. We're going to sing the marked verses only. Shelter from the stormy 
Amen. You may be seated. As Brian reminded us this morning, today is All Saints Day. And it actually is today, November 1st. Uh, Traditionally, we celebrate it the Sunday before November 1st, but it just so happens that today on the church calendar, it is All Saints Day. It's a day of remembrance that was established by the church uh, centuries ago to remember all the faithful brothers and sisters in Christ who have departed from this life and have gone to be with the Lord. At First Church, we celebrate All Saints Day by reading the names of those who have passed away over the past year. White carnations are on the altar in their memory, and and any family members that are here today are invited to take one after the service. Not only do we remember those that have gone before us, it's also an opportunity for us to reflect on God's grace and His forgiveness and His salvation. We are saved in Christ and in Him alone. Not only do we give thanks and celebrate uh, the memory of our loved ones, we also give thanks for God and His salvation that He's made possible through Christ's death on the cross. Jesus went before us into death in order to conquer death, and He goes before us into eternal life to open eternal life for all who believe in His name. Revelation 7, verses 9 and 10 give us a great picture of what that great multitude looks like. The Apostle John, receiving this vision from the Lord, says, I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne of God and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands, and they cried out in a long voice, Salvation belongs to our God. And so today and every day, let's give thanks to God for His salvation that He's made possible through Jesus Christ. And let us remember especially this day and give thanks to those brothers and sisters in Christ to whom God has granted rest from their labors. So we remember this day, Daryl Cook, Marvin Deerhake, Leela Van Leuven, Mary Ketter Heinrich, Roger Eversman, Charles Vornholt, and Vernon Feldwish. Let's pray together. Almighty God, who gives, excuse me, who holds in your hand the souls of the righteous, we give thanks and praise for all the generations of the faithful who have served you in godliness and in love, and who dwell forever now in your presence. We bless you for all who have enriched the world through truth and beauty, who have labored in the service of their fellows, and have devoted themselves to you and to your church. We bless you for all near and dear to us, for our fathers and mothers, brothers and sisters, for those who have helped and defended and loved and cherished us. Grant that all the good we have seen and known in them may continue to inspire and guide us, that we may always love them and hallow their memory, and that when we have fulfilled our time on earth, we may have a part with them in your heavenly kingdom. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. So we continue our time of prayer this morning. I also want to encourage you to continue to be in prayer for the names that are in the families that are represented in the prayer list. Uh, as always, those are current, uh, and we encourage you to, to lift them up to the Lord uh, together this week. Um, You may not know exactly what's going on in that situation. You may not know exactly what it is they need, but the Lord knows. And He's a God who hears our prayers and hears our cries. So as we lift up those things to Him, He will respond and act faithfully towards us. 
I do want to also uh, remind you of a couple things and encourage you to be in prayer about them. Uh, one is we have a few weeks left in Operation Christmas Child. So anytime you, you can continue to pack boxes, I know uh, the, you know those are available on, on Sunday morning as well as Wednesday nights to come and pack boxes with items that have been donated here at the church. And you can always continue to pack boxes on your own as well and drop them off here at the church. But we have a few weeks left to turn those in. I also want to give you an update about uh, Thanksgiving Eve service. Uh, we have, uh, I've talked with Pastor Dennis. We normally do a joint Thanksgiving service with uh, Methodist Church on Wednesday of Thanksgiving week. Um, but we've talked in, in light of everything that's going on with COVID and, uh, and the risks that may be involved in us joining together as two churches, we've decided to postpone that for this year. So we will not have a joint Thanksgiving service with the Methodist Church as we normally do, uh, but we will have a Thanksgiving Eve message that I'm going to post online uh, that you can watch with your family uh, during the week of Thanksgiving. So still be on the lookout for that and I encourage you to watch that Thanksgiving message uh, with your family as you're able to either the Wednesday night like we normally would or sometime that week. Um, and then remember to give thanks to the Lord for all that he's done, even in difficult times like we've experienced here this year. Let's pray together again. Father God, we do give thanks to you. We give thanks in the good times and for your provision. And we also give thanks in the difficult times, knowing that your presence is still with us no matter what. Again, we pray, Lord, for the families of those who've lost loved ones uh, recently in this past year. We pray for your blessing upon them. We pray that you would strengthen and encourage them as well as they face, Lord, the holidays this fall and winter, perhaps for the first time without, uh, without a loved one uh, by their side. We pray also, Lord, for the names and families that are represented in our prayers and concerns list. We pray especially for those affected by COVID-19. We pray, Lord, that you would heal those who are sick and that you would uh, continue to provide guidance and wisdom for our leaders, both in the medical field as well as in our government, and how to best handle, Lord, the challenges that are presented. Lord, we think of our uh, national, state, and local leaders at this time as well, not just and uh, how to deal with the pandemic, which of course is important, but also with the election coming up this week. We pray for wisdom and guidance for our nation. We pray, Lord, um, we pray, Lord, that uh, the division and the uh, uh, that we are experiencing as a nation, Lord, that we would be able to rise above that. And no matter what happens this week, Lord, remind us, teach us that you are still enthroned, that you, Jesus, are still king no matter what happens. We thank you, Lord, for that, and thank you for the promise uh, that your word provides. We pray these things in the name of Jesus, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. This time I invite you to remain seated. Uh, the praise team is going to sing a song uh, we especially picked out for this day, All Saints Day. It's a song hopefully probably very familiar to most of you. I can only imagine. I invite you to listen to the words prayerfully, uh, soak in the song, and think about uh, what, they, what they mean for us this day.
can only imagine what it will be like when I walk by your side. I can only imagine what my eyes will see when your face is before me. I can only imagine Surrounded by your glory What will my heart feel? Will I dance for you, Jesus? Or when all of you be still Will I stand in your presence? Or to my knees will I fall? Will I sing hallelujah? Will I be able to speak at all? I can only imagine. I can only imagine. I can only imagine when that day comes and I find myself Standing in the sun, I can only imagine when all I will do is forever, forever worship you. I can only imagine, I can only imagine. Surrounded by your glory, what will my heart feel? Will I dance for you, Jesus? Or in all of you be still? Will I stand in your presence? Or to my knees will I fall? Will I sing hallelujah? Will I be able to speak at all? I can only imagine, yeah. I can only imagine Surrounded by your glory What will my heart feel? Will I dance for you, Jesus? Or in all of you be still? Will I stand in your presence? Or to my knees will I fall? Will I sing hallelujah? Will I be able to speak it all? I can only imagine. Yeah. I can only imagine. I can only imagine. Yeah. I can only imagine. I can only imagine. I can only imagine I can only imagine when all I will do is forever forever worship you I can only
Thank you. And this time I invite Maria to forward for our scripture reading today. Our first part of scripture this morning comes from Proverbs chapter 14, verse 8, and verses 15 through 18. The wisdom of the prudent is to give thought to their ways, but the folly of fools is deception. The simple believe anything, but the prudent give thought to their steps. The wise fear the Lord and shun evil, but a fool is hot-headed and yet feels secure. A quick-tempered person does foolish things, and the one who devises evil scheme is hated. The simple inherit folly, but the prudent are crowned with knowledge. Our second scripture this morning comes from Proverbs chapter 25, verses 27 through 28. It is not good to eat too much honey, nor is it honorable to search out matters that are too deep. Like a city whose walls are broken through is a person who lacks self-control. Thank you, Maria. It's funny, Shelby, thank you for your children's chat. Uh, I'm not sure where you... Oh, there you are. Thank you for your children's chat with, uh, with, with the Halloween candy analogy. As it was, Maria was reading the scripture, it kind of hit me for the first time. That was perfect, <laughs> perfect analogy for, for that last scripture passage there. That's, that's awesome. Let's pray together. Father God, thank you so much for your goodness. Thank you that we can gather here as your people. Uh, we can lift up your, your, lift up your name and praise together. And lift up our prayers, Lord, in unison to you. And now, Lord, we can open up your word and see what it has to say for us this morning. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you give me words to speak. Guide, guide me as, as we study your word together. And may you soften the hearts of all those who hear, whether they are here in the room with me now, or listening on the radio, or watching on Facebook. Lord, may you work in us what is good and, and pleasing according to your will. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. So today we're going to be continuing on in our series about wisdom and how it applies to our lives. And, and as I was thinking about this message here this morning, uh, I don't know about, about the rest of you, but unless you've been living under a rock the last few weeks, you've seen that the United States Senate has just approved a new, uh, the nomination of Justice Amy Coney Barrett to the Supreme Court, right? And, and, Maybe some of you are sick of politics uh, with an election just a couple days away. I would imagine most of you probably are uh, listening to all the reports on the news. But something that I enjoy following along and, and, and discussing and thinking about. And, and so I, I was watching some of the news reports and some of the, the highlights from the hearings. And uh, Amy Coney, Justice Amy Coney Barrett, who is a conservative Christian, was actually first appointed to the federal judiciary in 2017. And it was during that confirmation hearing that Senator Dianne Feinstein, attempting to criticize the now Justice Barrett, said, and I quote, the dogma lives loudly inside you. In other words, the teachings of her Christian faith were not only present and evident in Justice Barrett's life, but this senator worried that it would impact how she rendered verdicts. Now, my purpose here today is not to give a civics lesson or to comment on the proceedings of the last few weeks. But I mention this because the comment by Senator Feinstein in 2017, which has been played back repeatedly over these past few weeks, struck something within me. The dogma lives loudly within you. Now, dogma is a term, just kind of generally speaking, about the teachings of a particular faith, about the, about the tenets of a faith. And so what the senator was saying was that her faith lived loudly inside of her. 
So my question for us today, my question for you, because it goes along with the idea of prudence, is does the dogma, does the teachings of Christ, do they live loudly inside of you? Do the teachings of Christ shape your life in such a way that someone would accuse you of being a Christian? Does what you believe and profess on Sunday morning make such an impact on your life the other six days of the week that people can't help but notice? Right? I hope so. Right? And I hope and pray that the dogma lives loudly inside of you just as I hope and pray that it lives loudly inside of me. Not so that we may gain personally from it. Not so that we may put others down because that's not the way of Christ. It's so that the light of Christ may shine through you and that the gospel may be proclaimed through word and deed. And now I share that with you this morning, not to just comment on, on current events, but because our topic today from the book of Proverbs is prudence. And prudence is kind of an outdated word, one we might not use a whole lot. And so I want to take a moment and define it for you and so that you can see what I mean by, by the connection there between that comment from Senator Feinstein and our topic today. We've talked a lot about wisdom over the past few weeks and wisdom being the, knowing the difference between right and wrong, knowing what to do with the knowledge and information that's at our fingertips. Prudence then, if I may define it in, in this way, is wisdom applied. It's wisdom in action. So a prudent person knows not only what to do, but they actually follow through and do it. Does that make sense? We've all probably met people and known people who knew the right thing to do. They were wise in that sense, but yet they still didn't follow through with their actions that actually live wisely. And so that's what I'm going to argue today is the difference between uh, 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 someone who is just wise on maybe an intellectual level or a surface level and a prudent person who is, who is wise through their actions and through their life as well. And that is important because wisdom is not meant to just be head knowledge, right? Following Christ is not meant to be just something we do for an hour on Sunday mornings and then neglect it the rest of the week, right? Our commitment to Christ should be lived out, not just intellectually, but through our heart and through our actions too. And so that's what a prudent person is. A prudent person lives out that wisdom on a regular basis. And a prudent person lives out their faith in Christ in a real and tangible way. And so our scripture passages today kind of paint a picture of what a prudent person looks like. And, and just like I talked about last week with, with words, right, this is something we can, we can probably pull lots and lots of passages from the book of Proverbs to look at. And so what I want to do today is focus on these ones that we have before us, and I'll comment on a few others and see what they have to teach us about what a prudent person looks like. And so the first thing we notice from Proverbs chapter 14, verse 8, is that a prudent person is thoughtful and discerning. A prudent person thinks through their actions. They don't just go with the flow, and they're not easily deceived. Right? It's a someone who is able to think through their actions and do what the, do what the wise and prudent um, do what, do, what the, do what wisdom calls for in that given situation, right? Uh, and an unwise person, a fool, as Proverbs often labels them, is someone who would, who would just go with the flow and just do what everyone else is doing for the sake of convenience. But a prudent person thinks through their actions and is able to act accordingly. A prudent person is thoughtful and discerning, and so they're able to see both sides of an issue. Right? Too many of us stay in our own little bubbles 
We never interact with people who think differently or view life differently. We don't read articles or watch newscasts from a different perspective. But a prudent person not only is able to see both sides of the issue, but they they seek out to try their best to understand how other people think and why they why they act that way. They're able to think deeply about a given problem and see the pros and cons of both sides and make a wise choice. A side note for you, and this bears repeating over and over again, right? And I've said this from the pulpit many times. Just because you disagree with someone doesn't make that person your enemy. And we need to be reminded of that now more than ever, given the election cycle that we've been through and the election coming up here in just a few days. Just because someone thinks differently or acts differently or, dare I say, votes differently than you do doesn't make that person your enemy. You can still respect them. You can still love them even if they do that, right? It's possible. And in fact, I should say it's required for us as Christians to love and respect people even when we do disagree with them, even when they live or act differently than we would choose to live or act. We're still called to love and respect those people. And a thoughtful, excuse me, a prudent person is thoughtful and discerning, is able to uh, separate, right, what a person maybe believes or thinks from the person themselves and be able to still love them in spite of disagreeing with their actions or thoughts. A thoughtful and discerning person is also able to see the consequences of their decisions and act accordingly. In Proverbs chapter 22, verse 3, again, that's Proverbs 22, verse 3, it says, The prudent see danger and take refuge, but the simple keep going and pay the penalty. Right, so a prudent person is able to see the consequences of their actions and maybe change their decision or change their mind based on that. Right, They're able to see that if I do this, this is the consequence of that action and be able to act accordingly. Now, sometimes the right thing to do still comes with consequences. And a prudent person is able to see that and still choose the right thing to do in spite of the consequences that come their way. But they're able to see past their nose, see past what's immediately in front of them, and be able to make a decision based off of that knowledge. And so a prudent person must be willing to admit when they're wrong and change direction. Right? We make mistakes because we don't take the time to think through the consequences of our decision. And so we act rashly, we act without thinking, and then we are then we have to deal with the results of that, whether we want to or not. A prudent person, on the other hand, thinks before they act. It doesn't mean they have everything figured out. It doesn't mean that they'll never make mistakes, because we all do, don't we? But they make the best decision with the information they have on hand. They take what's available to them and, and, and thoughtfully, and, and I, I should say with the prayerfully, try to make the best decision they can with the information that's available to them. And so a prudent person is, is thoughtful and discerning. A prudent person is also humble, and that's the second characteristic we see here in this passage. Again, if you look at Proverbs chapter 14, we see in that, uh, excuse me, in verse 16, it says, The wise fear the Lord and shun evil, but a fool is hot-headed and yet feels secure. That word hot-headed there has connotations of arrogance, right? A, a hot-headed person is an arrogant person. And so an arrogant person is very self-centered. They're only able to uh, focus on themselves and they don't take others, especially the Lord, into account. An arrogant person always acts in their own self-interest, even if it is the wrong thing to do. They act on emotions 
like such as anger rather than wisdom. And so the opposite then of that is a person who is humble, a person who seeks not just to to satisfy their own self-interest, but seeks first and foremost to satisfy the Lord, right? To serve him, to to do what the Lord requires, but also to think of others as well. And so a humble person gives thought to the Lord. The fear of the Lord, right, is a prominent theme throughout Proverbs. We've seen that over and over again. And so in order to be prudent and wise, we must make our relationship with the Lord a priority. And I already alluded this to this a little bit with my introduction here this morning. A prudent person does not keep God in a box, right, does not confine God to just an hour or two on Sunday mornings and then go about the rest of their week as if it doesn't, as if he doesn't matter, as if he doesn't make an impact on their lives. Said so a prudent person takes what takes what they learn from Scripture, takes what what it means to follow Christ and have a relationship with Him, and allows that to then inform everything else that they do. We don't just turn to Him like He's a a, a magic genie that will give us our our wish when it's convenient. We shouldn't treat God that way. Because he's the creator and sustainer of the universe. He created you, right? He knows every hair that's on your head. And for some people, that's not quite as much as it used to be when they were younger. But it's still true, right? That God knows us and knows us well. And so he deserves our respect. He deserves our worship. And he certainly deserves a say in how we live our lives. So we need to give thought to the Lord. That's part of what it means to be humble in this sense. And it also says that we need to shun evil. A prudent person is humble enough to recognize right from wrong and good from evil. And giving thought to the Lord means that we allow him to decide what is right and wrong and what is good and evil. And we don't make that decision for ourselves. Right? True and false, right and wrong, good and evil are not categories that are defined by popular vote. They're not dependent on who is in the White House who's in Congress or who sits on the Supreme Court, right? They're not defined by the majority opinion. They're defined by God and by him alone. And a prudent person knows this and lives according to God's word, not personal opinion. And so a prudent person first is discerning and thoughtful. A prudent person is also humble. And third, they are patient and teachable. It says here that they're not quick-tempered. Big decisions are always worth taking the time to think over and pray. The pastor I worked with at United Church of Huntington used to say that if someone demanded an answer immediately, the answer was most likely going to be no. Because big, important decisions require thought and prayer and consideration. In the King James Version, which some of you may enjoy reading from time to time, the word patience in the New Testament is often translated long-suffering. This says a lot about the nature of patience, doesn't it? Long-suffering. By its very nature, patience is difficult. If it was easy, it wouldn't require patience. That word long-suffering, though, it means that we're going to be willing to bear with what is difficult, be willing to suffer even for a long extended period of time for the greater good, for God's glory and for the good of ourselves and others. And so the question for us is, are we willing to bear inconvenience? Are we willing to face difficulty and hardship for the glory of God and for the good of others? What is the opposite of patience? Well, the opposite of patience is instant gratification. 
right? Being short-sighted, responding to the here and now rather than looking at the big picture, taking ourselves and our immediate happiness only into account rather than attempting to look at things from God's perspective. In James chapter 1, verses 19 through 20, it says, My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Notice how important that those terms are because they're the opposite of what we normally and naturally do, right? We need to be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Yet the problem is most of us are slow to listen, quick to speak, and quick to become angry, aren't we? Right? That's the, our natural tendencies as sinful human beings. And so we need to push back against that. And we can learn a lot by slowing down and listening to others. And I really mean listening, right? Active listening, not just waiting for them to stop talking so you can throw in your two cents. I mean, really hearing people out and what they have to say. In Proverbs chapter 15, verse 5, it says, A fool spurns a parent's discipline, but whoever heeds correction shows prudence. And so humble person is patient and, and willing to listen to others and therefore are also teachable. We're able to learn from our experiences and listen to the advice of others. A prudent person is willing to admit mistakes and change when, is ne- when necessary. All right, and that's a big part of life, isn't it? Admitting when and where we're wrong and being willing to take that into account and make the necessary changes. Right? A teachable person, a prudent person doesn't dig in and stand their ground when they're proven wrong. They learn from their mistakes and adapt. We need to be willing to learn from others and not put ourselves at the center of our own universe. And the last characteristic I want to talk about today is the one Shelby touched on, especially during children's chat, and that is self-control. A prudent person does not give in to self-indulgence. Right? Even too much of a good thing can be bad. Good things can become idols for us when we allow them to consume our time and our attention and take our focus off of God. So self-control is not just about the bad things in our life we should avoid. That's part of it. But it's also about knowing the proper place and context for even the good things that God has given us in our lives. Self-control is the ability to deny ourselves, to take up our cross, and to follow Jesus. I alluded earlier that the right thing to do is not always the easy thing to do. And so it takes self-control at times to do the right thing, even when it's right there in front of our face. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. Again, that's Galatians 2, verse 20. Paul says, I've been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. See, that's what self-control is about. It's about not letting our own desires, our own preferences get in the way, but allowing Christ to live in us and shine through us. It's about integrity, about being the same person and making the same decisions in private that, they would, that we would when everyone else is watching. See, the last two characteristics I shared with you, patience and self-control, they're described as fruits of the Spirit in Galatians 5, 22 through 23. It says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The key to understanding the fruits of the Spirit, and I would argue these other uh, wisdom and the characteristics of wisdom themselves, it's not something that we can develop on our own and our own strength and our own power. They're the natural byproduct of a living relationship with God 
and the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. So do you want to be more patient? Then we need to pursue Christ. Do you want to have more self-control? And pursue Christ. The more that you seek Him, the more these things will show up in your life. Unfortunately, often the way that the Holy Spirit cultivates patience and self-control in our lives is by placing us in situations in which patience and self-control are needed, right? You've heard the phrase, you know, be careful what you wish for. Sometimes we need to be careful what we pray for, right? Because if we pray for patience and self-control, God's going to place things in our lives that require patience and self-control because that's the only way that we'll learn to trust Him. So in conclusion today, I want to tell you to be prudent, right? Depend on Christ, seek Him, and allow those things to develop in your life. Quality, these are all qualities that we should seek to foster in ourselves and to look for in others. Remember, we started this Proverbs series by taking a look at Solomon. Right, in Second Chronicles 1.10, he prayed to the Lord, Give me wisdom and knowledge that I may lead this people well, for who is able to govern this great people of yours? He could have prayed for anything, and we talked about this before. He could have prayed for wealth, health, power. He didn't pray for those things. Instead, he prayed for wisdom. And not just for himself, he prayed that wisdom, this wisdom would lead him to lead well. Wisdom to rule Israel with justice and righteousness. And so I ask you today, don't just pray for these things for yourself, but pray that our leaders, both in our churches and in our government, would exhibit these qualities as well. That they would have wisdom to lead well. That they would have a hunger and thirst for God's righteousness and that they would be filled. So I ask you today, will you pray that I would exhibit these qualities as your pastor? Would you please pray the same for Pastor Tory, our elders, and all who serve in consistory? Pray that they would be prudent and live wisely as we minister the gospel together. And pray the same for our leaders and government as well. Remember, we are called to pray for them whether we voted for them or not. In 1 Timothy 2, 1, he says, I urge you, first of all, that petitions and prayers, intercessions and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. Pray that God would develop these characteristics in our president, our members of Congress, and the Supreme Court, as well as our state and local leaders. And let us also seek to choose leaders in the church, as well as in our government, who embody these characteristics. People that are thoughtful and discerning, people that are humble, patient, and exhibit self-control. See, we have a privilege that, historically speaking, very very few people have had. We get to have a say in who leads us and who represents us. And don't take that for granted. Don't neglect it. It's important for us to get out there and vote. Look at the issues and the individuals on the ballot and prayerfully consider them and vote. Remember, no matter what happens on November 3rd, and no matter what happens in the days or weeks or months to follow, Jesus is still king, God is still good, and the Holy Spirit is still with his people. That is not on the ballot, and that is not determined by popular vote. As Christians, we don't follow a donkey or an elephant. We worship the Lamb. Let's pray together. Father God, I thank you for this this day. Thank you for the wisdom that you give us in your word and help us as your people to live it out well. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. I invite you as we prepare our hearts for communion that you would stand and sing the marked verse, or excuse me, not the marked verses, uh, sing number 379, verses 1, 2, and 5 of Take My Life, Let It Be. Again, that's verses 1, 2, and 5.
Amen. You may be seated. Just as we did last time we took communion together, I just want to remind you that we're taking every precaution we can for your safety, given everything that's going on in our world today. Uh, so we will be serving communion this morning at the altar. So as I, after I've done praying and, and blessing the elements, I'll invite you to come forward. Uh, if you're wanting to and able to, to come down the center aisle, uh, there'll be two stations, one on each side. Uh, and as you come forward, we will serve you the elements. Notice we have masks on and gloves. And again, that's just trying to be as safe and cautious as possible with everything that's going on. I invite you to try to social distance as best as you can, but come forward, take the cup, take the bread, and you can return to your seats and, and partake in the elements uh, as you return to your seats there. Uh, so again, also, if you are unable to come forward or would choose to remain in your seats, uh, there will be a pair of elders with a, with a cup and the bread, and they will come around and serve you in your pews. Uh, just do your best to try to get their attention. They'll be on the lookout for you uh, as everyone else is coming forward. Uh, so let's take a moment and let's prepare our hearts through prayer. Father God, thank you for this day. We thank you that we can celebrate what you've done for us this morning. Lord, communion, it, it reminds us of so many things. It reminds us that we are sinners in need of a Savior, that none of us are perfect, that there is no one righteous, not even one, but that, Lord Jesus, in your love for us and in your grace and your mercy, you died on the cross that we would be forgiven. You shed your blood so that we could know and experience your grace and know what it means to be in your family. So we, we come to you in, in humble repentance and confession, acknowledging, Lord, that we are sinners. And we thank you and praise your name that, that while we are still sinners, you died for us. Lord, it's also, remember, it's also a reminder of what brings us together as Christians. That it's not where we were born, how much money we have in the bank account, the color of our skin, or what political party we support that we are made one in Christ because of you and you alone. And we thank you, Lord, for the unity that we have as Christians around this table that you invite us to. So we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. As Paul said, I receive from the Lord what I also pass on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and having given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Whenever you drink it, do so in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So all you who have received Jesus as your Lord and Messiah, I invite you at this time to come forward and take the sacrament to your comfort.
pray to the Lord together. Father God, thank you. Thank you for communion, which is a reminder of your grace extended to us through Christ. 
that while we were still sinners, Lord Jesus, you died for us. And there's no greater news, no greater promise, no greater hope than we have than that. And so, Lord, help us to live as if that is true for our lives. Thank you for this bread and this juice, which which points us to you, Lord. And I pray now that your Holy Spirit would fill us, that we may go from this place and live wise, prudent lives and faithfully serving you and representing you in this world. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. You may go in peace. Amen. the world but it Turn bones into armies.